1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
2: Here's Seth Jones making his way up the right wing for Chicago. He'll jump, dump it back, gave it away. Yamamoto scores. Kyler Yamamoto takes advantage of the giveaway. He goes high to the glove side. Caves gets the puck in on the left wing. Lost it, puck played out. Here's Drysidle, shorthanded breakaway. Drysidle in, shoots, scores! Leon Drysidle, shorthanded goal! And the Oilers are a 5-2.
3: Couple of shorties, big ones tonight for the Edmonton Oilers as they score a 5-2 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Yamamoto's goal in the first period made it 3-0 for Edmonton. And then Drysidle scoring late in the third to put it away. First time since February 2nd, 2010, the Oilers score two shorthanded goals in a regular season game. On that night, it was Ryan Patalny and Ethan Morrow in a 3-2 loss to the Anaheim Ducks. Of course, they did it in a playoff game in 2017 here at Rogers Place. Cassian and McDavid shorthanded as the Oilers beat San Jose 2-0 in game two of that series. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We're going to have post-game reaction from Dave Tippett and... And select players coming your way throughout the rest of the evening as, Rob, the Oilers get the saves early and then blow it open four goals in nine minutes and 24 seconds in the first period.
4: Yeah, and in a game where you score five goals and you're up 4-0, you are up 4 nothing, you do not really think that it's a goaltender that got you to where you wanted to be. The Blackhawks pressured the Oilers a lot early. You know, the first shift of the game, Patrick Kane has the puck wide open in front of the other's net. It's a big save by Skinner. If that goes in, all of a sudden it's a one nothing game and the Chicago Blackhawks have belief. Uh, but Skinner made the big saves. He allowed his team to find its way into the game, and once they did, then it was the Chicago Blackhawks chasing the rest of the night. But Skinner was very good again. and He's given them four quality starts this season and two big wins for him in a row.
3: Yeah Skinner runs his record now to 2 and 2 on the season. 28 saves tonight. Another good showing for him. Looks very comfortable. Rob I mean look the the technical art of goaltending is as mysterious as anything that exists on the planet <laughs> so i don't well, know if we're going to explain it but i just look for a player for a goaltender D- does he look steady does he look calm you know is he flopping around or is he focused on the puck and relatively quiet in net and, and skinners look very good
4: well as a player you're always looking back at your goaltenders throughout the night to look for a calmness to look for somebody that feels very confident in his game and when a goaltender is confident in his game then you on the bench feel okay all right he's on his game tonight he's looking good he's feeling good and we can go play when you see a goalie that's jittery well it sends shivers throughout your bench like uh-oh this could be a long one but we haven't seen any of that from from skinner even when mistakes have been made the one where he turned the puck over in the game i believe is in detroit where all of a sudden the, the, gives up that big goal and after that he just Got right back to business and it didn't seem to affect him. So uh, he looks like a a seasoned pro in net. A 10-year pro, and that's good if you're the players playing in front of him, because now you know if a mistake is made, you have someone covering your back, so another very good game for Skinner, and it's just going to earn him more and more games here while Mike Smith is gone. So 5-2, the Oilers take
3: it tonight. They are 13-4 on the season, 8-1 and one at home. Chicago, their four-game winning streak comes to an end. Their record slips to 5-10-2 on the year. A lot of good stories for the Oilers tonight. Philip Broberg plays his first NHL game, plays 14 14- 24, has uh, shot on goal and gets an assist. Yeah, he played well. He looked confident
4: out there. Um, uh, there was a couple shifts where I just mainly watched him just to see what his game was like, and uh, he didn't look out of place at all, a- and that's a good thing. He can skate. He's a big man, doesn't put himself in, in bad positions, moves the puck well, uh, looked, looked confident and comfortable, and that's what you want from a young defenseman.
3: And a bunch of different guys getting points tonight for the Oilers. Uh, I, I mean, Bouchard with two assists. McDavid gets one and one. Uh, Drysettle gets one and one. Tyson Berry scores. Zach Hyman gets an assist. Ryan McLeod picks up his second goal of the year. Warren Fogel had a helper on that play. That's also the play Broberg got an assist on. Good night. Really good night for the line of McLeod, Fogel and Cassian.
4: I, I thought they were the Oilers' best line tonight. That's the best the third line has looked all season. Uh, That's the best Ryan McLeod has looked, for sure. So it was a good night for the Edmonton from top to bottom. Let's
3: go downstairs. Here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett.
1: You know, we capitalized on some chances. We gave up a couple chances. Skinner was sharp early. I think that was good for him to just jump right in the game. I think the first shift, he had a great a chance against him. He made a good save. So he got in the game early. You know, we uh, capitalized on some chances. Get a five-on-three and capitalized there. So... We were kind of off and running and uh, started the second period very well. We, we were we were on our toes trying to push uh, things along and third period back and forth. made the one mistake, but it was, you know, it was solid. So Broberg was solid, which was uh, good to see.
5: Yeah, I was going to ask as, as far as NHL debuts, you know, for defensemen, younger defensemen, uh, wh- what did you like about the way he handled himself
1: tonight? You know what? He was just, he played with poise. He played within his game, just didn't. You know, just very much in control and just made little things, the little things he should have got done, he got done. He was just solid in all those areas. Ended up getting a, an assist on, a, on his first assist. So just a real good start for, you know what? He he played the game smart. He didn't put himself in trouble. You know, he drew a penalty. I mean, he was, he was a solid player for us tonight. Dave,
6: can you talk about your third line? I thought your third line played very well tonight.
1: Yeah, that. I thought they had they had some glimpses last game, and then uh, tonight they came out and just carried on from there. Um, uh, McLeod, that's probably his best game he's played with us. Just just he's starting to gain some confidence. He's starting to make some more plays, and uh, it's. Uh, yeah, they were, they were solid, they were solid. They, they get the puck down low, they're hard to defend. And uh, when McLeod can transport a little bit, it helps the line.
6: And was this, you know, predetermined that, that Duncan Keith against his old team would play 25
1: minutes? Well, if you could have predetermined Nursey got a broken finger, then we could have maybe said that. But I mean, it's, the reality is we, we're not asking Dunk to do anything he hasn't done before. You know, he did it for a lot of years with that team, and he was excited to play tonight. He, he wanted to get out there and play, and I know he's got a lot of friends on that team, but he was excited to play and uh, pretty happy after the game.
6: One more thing about Yamamoto killing penalties: was that just an offensive player, you know, thinking like an offensive player there and stealing the puck? I mean, he just
1: uh, got on it, and was, bang, was in the net. You know, we talk about McLeod's best game. That could be Yamo's best game of the year. Also, he was around the puck. He was making good plays. He got capitalized on a, on the shorthander there. I mean, it's that that he had his feet moving. He looked like the Yamo of a couple of years ago there tonight. So that's a good sign for him. Thank you.
7: And Dave, I was going to ask about Yamamoto just in the way that he scored his goal and how nice of a shot it was. Is that more of a confidence builder, do you think, for an offensive player like him than just, you know, a cheapie around the net or something like that?
1: He's a two-way player. He's not just an offensive player. So he, uh, you know, everybody wants to capitalize more. He worked hard on his shot this summer. And you've seen a couple times now when he's got a chance to use it, he can zip it pretty good. So it's a good sign, good sign. But he played really well. You know, take the goal... The goal was nice and everything, but other than that, he played very well. He killed penalties very well for us tonight.
7: Seems like you might have something in your in your goaltender, another pretty good game for him. Very, uh, you see his confidence growing?
1: Very solid. And this was a game, you know, like we put him right back in because it's lots of emotion last game, lots of accolades, you know, really tight game against a good team. But, you know, for a young player to jump up, especially in that position, you got to get back there and do it the next night. That's what, that's what goaltenders play for a long time do. And he jumped in there. Like I say, he had to make a couple good saves early. I think that got him in the game, but he was solid all night. Just on your penalty
5: kill, Dave, I mean, they, they get a couple tonight, but shorthanded goals aside, in terms of a backbone of your team, how critical is this penalty kill been kind of start to finish
1: for you? Well, when you're a team that's trying to improve your goals against, that's a critical element of it. You know, you can, we've, uh, we've given up more than we'd like five on five, but if you were leaking five on five and you're leaking on your penalty kill, then you'd be, you'd have, you'd have problems. So our penalty kill has been solid all year, solid all year. And, you know, there's some shots being taken, but not, not very many in, in the, the good areas. There's lots of outside stuff that our goaltenders know where those are going to come from. And uh, so they, they were, I mean, we had two shorthanded goals tonight. They were solid, especially when we haven't, you know, our, some of our regular people in Archibald and Shore, some people that we were thinking were going to be our penalty killers, haven't been there. So they're out the guys that have jumped in and, and done a nice job. Just uh,
5: on your lineup and the guys that you talk about playing well tonight It seemed like you had a lot of speed like between Fogel going and Cassie going and you talk about McLeod skating Well, yeah. you like the level of speed that you're able to throw out there right now
1: Well, we want to play fast I mean when you play fast you can be a dangerous team and, and some of that Playing fast is a couple things one. You have to execute. Well, you know, you can not everybody can skate like McDavid. Open with the puck, you got to uh, you got to execute well, and you got to have motion to go in towards the puck and on the puck. But the execution, whether it's just getting it by somebody to skate onto it or or tape to tape, if you can do that with speed, you can become a dangerous team. And that's the way we want to play. We want to be a fast team and execute. When we when we don't look fast, I can tell you our execution isn't where it should be. Tonight we tonight our execution was pretty good. And, and fast just doesn't mean all the way down the ice. Fast means in the zone, like quick to quick to recover pucks, you know, jumping into holes, things that there's there's fast that you just skate fast, but then there's quickness to get on pucks. And tonight we played quick.
6: Dave, you've coached for a long time. Have you ever seen a shift where you cycled through all four lines, kept the puck, in the other teams end? That was interesting.
1: Yeah, he didn't I, score a goal, and there was not no penalty, score. not score that. I, you know what? I was truly, I, I was. You know, I applaud our guys. They were doing a lot of things right. They had a guy without a stick out there. We were getting chances, but when it doesn't go in, all you're thinking is now they're going to go down in five seconds in our zone, and puck's going to bounce out, and they're going to get one. So it was. Uh, I like that we talked about going, having a good start to the second period. We had a really good start. So it was. Uh, it would be nice to see a couple of those chances go in.
7: Thank you. With, with Dave, without your number one defenseman and nurse, how did you feel like the six guys did collectively and and were able to pick up the slack without him? How did you feel like that went?
1: Pretty solid, I think. Uh, pretty solid, you know. And it's uh, I'll have to go back and watch it the the little parts of the game that you uh, you dig into a little more. But for the most part, pretty solid. We didn't feel like we were pinned in our zone. We moved the puck all right. That was a big. Uh, you know, a big emphasis before the game is we wanted to get back quick and move the puck quick, and we were, we were not bad. I, I'll watch it a little closer, but not a bad start.
8: Dave, uh, obviously a big win for you guys tonight, but just wanted to maybe get a comment on something bigger than hockey. You're wearing the tie tonight, and the Edmonton Oilers and the NHL being part of Hockey Fights Cancer Night uh, in all NHL cities. Just the significance of that to you?
1: Very significant because I don't know if it's just because you start to get older, you have a lot more, know uh, a lot more people affected. And playing Chicago tonight, it's with heavy heart that I know Troy Murray is battling away, an ex-teammate of mine. Um, you know, and that's so you, you wear these things with pride because you understand the level of concern and, and what people are going through and anything you can do to bring attention to that and bring, whether it be fundraising or just awareness to it is it's a good thing because you're helping people thanks for sharing that thank you all right
3: that's oilers head coach dave tippett after a 5-2 win over the chicago blackhawks at tony Brar there from oilers tv asking that question i'm glad he did this uh was hockey fights cancer night uh six hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in the jackpot rob for the there's 50-50, and net proceeds from that are going to go to the Alberta Cancer Foundation. And, of course, we all know somebody who's been affected in, in some way, Troy Murray, a great NHL player and Blackhawks radio analyst who announced a few weeks ago that he's battling cancer and obviously seen albert connection there as well well
4: also a teammate of mine i played with him in, with the chicago wolves as well so i've known troy for a long time as uh, in in my days so i i send him all the best and everyone out there that's battling with it and i do appreciate that the national hockey league does this and the players get involved and the coaches get involved it's not just a throw away where they they come in the dress to say okay guys put this on and this is what we're doing the players uh, take pride in it and uh, the fact that they're all out there on the the blue line to start the game they all have to write someone that they're they're playing for or they're they're fighting for so good on them good on the nhl and hopefully someday uh we'll be able to find a cure we got a lister uh jay bueller who's going
3: through a battle of his own and um Jesse Pugliarvi had I fight for him. Oh, that's had, awesome. Uh, his name on there uh, before the game when everybody was holding up a name. Oilers win at 5 2. We've got to talk about the penalty kill. We talk about the power play a lot. The penalty kill, 3-for-3 three three tonight for Edmonton, they're 88.9% now on the season. They've killed 48 out of 54 man disadvantages, and they've scored three shorthanded goals. So the penalty kill is minus 3, 17 <laughs> games into the season. That's pretty good.
4: Well, we, we've we talked about it throughout the year, how, how important the power play has been to the Oilers and how good it is. Uh, their penalty killing has done uh, just as much for their wins as, as their power play has. Their, their penalty killing has uh, turned the game around. And tonight's just a perfect example. The score's 2 nothing. Chicago gets on the power play. If they score a goal, all of a sudden it's 2-1. They're back in it. Instead, they give up a shorthanded goal. It's 3 nothing, And then you go to the third period. It's The, the Blackhawks had scored a couple goals. It's now 4-2. The Blackhawks get on the power play. They score a goal. It's 4-3. All momentum in the world on their side. The other score shorthanded to, to put the game out of reach. So the penalty kill, even without scoring the shorthanded goals, they disrupt the other team's power play. It's funny, when the Oilers have their power play, they look like they're going to score every time they step on the ice. And even when they don't, they've created momentum, they've forced the other team to tire their best players, they're all over, and then the next two or three shifts, they they still have the opposition running around. The Oilers' penalty kill, the teams aren't getting momentum off it. They're not creating a ton of chances. And what we've seen over, especially the last five or six games, the Oilers have gotten the better chances, scoring chances when they've killed. They've had two-on-ones. They've had breakaways. They have they completely frustrated the other team's uh, power play. So good on them. And as Dave Tippett talked about, there's some regulars that you would have expected to be in their penalty killing at this point in season. Uh, a Devin Shore, uh, a Josh Archibald aren't out there. They aren't killing. So there's other guys that have had to fill in and have filled in fantastically. As... The Oilers' penalty killing, you expected the power play to be great this year, and it is. The penalty killing, there was question marks. Well, right now, we're seeing a great penalty killing as well.
3: All right, so the five goals tonight for the Oilers means a $500 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given 100 bucks every time the Oilers score, and the total for the season now up to $6,800 as the Oilers beat Chicago 5-2, and they are now 8 8- And one on home ice, only that blemish against the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, if you want to get in touch, the hotline is open, presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way, 780-496-0063. You're going to hear from McDavid, Yamamoto, Keith, and Broberg. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line.
2: Dabrinkit comes in on the left wing, shoots it, pad save by Skinner. Dabrinkit gets it back to the point. The one-timer by Gustafson, and the save made by Skinner, and he held on. That was a hard shot by Eric Gustafson, who was able to walk right into it.
3: Another strong showing by Stuart Skinner in the Oilers' net. 28 saves and a 5-2 win over Chicago. That's his save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Rob, we were talking earlier about as a player wanting to look back and see your goalie calm, in control, I'll never forget a story Kelly Rudy told me a couple years ago on my show. He was early in his career playing for the Islanders, and they were playing a game at Washington, and Kelly liked having his sticks, you know, leaning in a certain way up against a wall. So he said the Capitals had a rink uh a, a locker room attendant like a, a high school kid who you know probably came after school and it was his job to help get some things ready for the home team and he had a a cart of you know towels or something and he had to put it where Kelly's sticks were and he moved Kelly's sticks and Kelly said he basically yelled at the kid in front of everybody and said how dare you touch my my sticks and and Kelly said when the kid left Dennis Potvin came over to Kelly immediately And said okay kelly two things first of all you're going to find that young man and you're going to apologize to him we're the new york islanders we do not treat people that way that kid's here is doing his job and that's unacceptable what you did and then podvin said number two you just showed everybody in this locker room that you can't handle any little thing that goes wrong and how easily you're going to be bothered and now how do we trust you in a game
4: it's a great point and i've played with goalies that are both ways i've played with goalies where nothing would bother them uh, before a game, during the game, I, I, ever. And you, those are the type of goals you want to play for. And I've played for other guys that if you touch their pads before the game or if you hit them in the wrong place in warm-up, if you shot above the, the knees, anything like that, and, and they would, well, they'd have the goalie spaz where they'd throw their hands in the air, throw the stick. And, and again, you're right. If Well, okay, if that's throwing you off, what if someone gets in your grill in the game? What if, what if you, you trip? What if someone turns the puck over and now you're mad at them for causing a breakaway to come down on you so the goaltenders that players have the most trust in are the ones that just brush everything off the ones that when the goal goes by you whether it's a good goal or a bad goal you pull the puck out you take a squirt of water and you just look at center i said all right let's go those are the type of goaltenders you have faith in to get you through the the tough moments
3: all right, let's go to the Teed hotline, 780-496-0063. Well, here is someone I enjoy hearing from, though he doesn't call in that often. It is frustrated fan on the line. Double F, what is going on?
0: Oh, not 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 much, Reed. Uh, just a little note, I wish I would have made that uh, prediction about the Elks this year, because maybe yeah. would've, they would have made it to the playoffs. Yeah, that's get, a good get, point. Yeah, <laughs> getting, to the, and then just getting to the Oilers. I, I have found, other than these last two games, the team has played really loosey goosey and depended too much on the goaltender. The last two games, they've actually played fairly well defensively. I'm not really overly frustrated with the team. In the last two games, they kind of I got to pull my hair out uh, earlier in the season, even though we do have a great um, uh, a great record. I, I I have a couple of questions about uh, tonight's game. What uh, one, do you think that that uh, hit from Fogle in the first period was boarding? Uh, do you think uh, Do you think that uh, McDavid's first, uh, pe- the penalties that were called against him tonight, or penalties that he drew tonight, they were they were soft, in my opinion. And when you look at the replay of the roughing penalty that uh, Hyman took. It to me, deadly. it looked like that. Yeah. It, to me, it looked like that was a butt end. Well, it, so, wait, it did wait, look wait, it wait, was do dirty. Suspe- wait, wait, do you think we, do you think he get suspended for that?
4: No, I, I don't think he did. A, there was no blood drawn, and it wasn't violent, but it was uncalled for. It was, I mean, especially if it's Patrick Kane. It's not someone that you gotta, a uh, 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 hate for. I mean, he's a, a skilled player that really doesn't do anything to get you off your game other than maybe score against you. So that one was that was odd. I was actually surprised by that when Hyman did that. Uh, were there a couple of the calls soft on McDavid? Uh, probably,
3: I, I thought the I, I thought Taves hooked him. I know Taves complained about it. I thought the Kurashev holding one. That's what McDavid helped his stick briefly. Yeah, well, and, if, then, and this is the move McDavid does all and, the this time. This is what I tell people, and I don't fault McDavid for doing it because I think as a player you got to find ways. He thrusts his forearm into the guy's midsection.
4: He always, he always he'll then, grab first. He always grabs first and then pushes himself away, creating a little distance, and then the other player. Kind of reacts to it. He he does it all the time, and it's funny. Just watch. You you don't notice it until you see it the first time, and then every time you see him do it, it's like automatic. You
3: pointed it out to me a a few seasons ago, and now I noticed. And and, and, hey, like I said, and I guess technically, if the guy does grab onto his arm, it is holding. But uh, But mcdavid's also saying, "Hey, here, grab this. Slow me down." Well, and the
4: one, the one today where the, the guy got the penalty in the neutral zone, McDavid grabbed the guy's stick. Yeah. And held it, and the guy. Grabbed him afterwards, and he was the guy that got the penalty. Yeah, so, that
3: easily could have not been called. Or no, called I wouldn't. Have. But I, I, I thought, I thought Taves did hook him. I, th- I, thought I saw a hook there. So I don't know.
4: I don't know, but, but I don't, I don't remember recall the Fogle one. That's I don't know which one you're talking about the, right the, there. The, the Fogle
0: one was there was a uh, it was at the very beginning of the game. They uh, him and I think it was Cassian went into the corner, and hit the guy, and the guy turned the the guy from Chicago. I can't remember the guy's. uh, Name or his number, uh, but he went and turned to play the puck, and Fogo hit him in the numbers.
4: Honestly, it it, uh, but, it doesn't stand uh, out uh, to me, uh, so uh, I I don't think uh, it. I, I I watch for things like that. I don't remember it. Also, to me, if I didn't see it, if it didn't stand out, it probably wasn't anything major. But then again, I could have been looking at my phone at that point too.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, no, no. And, and like, uh, like I'm not I'm not trying to complain or anything it's just like 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 you guys had mentioned mcdavid always grabs the stick when he goes in so when he doesn't get some calls that that's where that's where i look at it is that there's a, there are things that he gets away with that he doesn't that that, that no don't there get is calls, but there's also right? but, there's also things I, that I,
4: happen to mcdavid that don't get called as well so it oh, oh, it usually evens right? out
0: so that i mean that's why i respect when when, when I watched the interview with McDavid there, and he said, I don't really, don't really want to talk about it, I respect him more now than when he first came into the league. Because when, uh, like when you go back to everybody was complaining about not, uh, calls not being called against McDavid, not called against McDavid, and I think it was the Chicago game where Edmonton got six, six penalties within the first... Uh, I, would, I want to say 25 minutes of the game. Oh, Buffalo.
3: They had six power plays in the first half of the game. Uh,
0: right? Yep. Like, but it was after everybody complained. The, the media, the players, everybody was complaining. They got that. To me, that threw Edmonton off their game. Do I, do I think penalties should be called? Absolutely. Do I think McDavid should be drawing more penalties? Absolutely. But when they – like the other thing, too, when I watched the league – so, and it's not just the Oilers. Everybody, anytime anybody gets touched, they're always looking back at the rest, looking for the call, looking for the call. And as, as a former official in, in a different sport, when people start looking for calls every time they get touched, you tend to start to ignore it. Because it's like, yeah. okay, what did they do now? What did they do now? What yeah. did they do now? They, are, are you going to actually, like, to me, as a, as a former official of a different sport,
4: Then I go and I look at the players. Do you actually trust me to call the game? Well, the problem is the thing is... The thing is a lot of players don't trust the refs to call the game properly. That's why they're looking back.
3: Well, they're always trying to get any advantage. But but normally
4: normally when a player looks back is when he's fouled. So he's looking back. Okay, did you catch that? Oh. I mean, as long as you don't embarrass the referee by throwing your hands up or yelling or something like that. But the look back is fine because you're just, okay... Did they get that call? No. Okay. Well, then I'm going to back check now. So, but from my experience as a player and from being around the game, I'd say 80% of the time when a player looks back, it was because he truly was fouled on the play and just checking to see if the referee noticed it as well.
3: All right, 780 496 Oilers win over Chicago. By the way, Chad is our winner of a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Excitement, bet on it. He gets the under, the River Cree under for Broberg's ice time today. I set the line at 18 minutes, and uh, Broberg played 14-24. We will go to Sir Robert on the Certainty Hotline. Robert, go ahead. hey robert are you there
9: yeah i'm here can you hear me
3: yeah go ahead buddy
9: yeah no i mean i i guess uh, i want to start a little bit with talking about that third line because i thought i mean i thought well this was uh, this was easily i thought this was easily uh one of the best games i've seen uh from mcleod but uh uh but i also thought this was probably fogel's best game as an Oilers. kind of wonder kind of wonder what you guys do uh, are thinking about that and then uh and then uh and then i want to touch a little bit on skinner i mean there's, a, there's i mean like uh everybody was a little you know worried about you know well you know is skinner, is, is skinner ready for the nhl i mean personally in my opinion is he re- is he ready to be the b that be that full-time knock-up no but based on what we've seen in these in these uh in these last two starts to me uh to me he's uh, he's at uh, the He's no worse than he's no worse than the backup for next year, 2022, 23. Kind of wondering what you guys think about that.
4: Well, I think I think that's the ideal plan. That's what they hope. I mean, uh, he, he's got to continue to show progression. He's got to continue to show consistency, and that's what they're hoping for. Uh, it's been a nice start for him. Uh, you, you're not going to give him anything until you know he's played 20, 25, 30 games, whatever it is. But it's been a good start. You can't have a good stretch a long stretch unless you have a f- start of a good stretch and that's what he's done thus far he's been good as for fogel uh fogel was really good tonight fogel started the season well he and his line mates cassian and uh derek ryan at that point the first four or five games they were good fogel was very good and then they hit a bit of a speed bump and they weren't as effective and then the line changed a little bit they threw Devin shore there then there was an injury they threw mcleod there, but uh, the line tonight was excellent. Dave Tippett talked about it. They showed signs and spurts last game, but tonight, from start to finish, they were very effective. Very effective. And if the Oilers can get that out of them uh, on, a, on a pretty consistent base, uh, then the Oilers are going to be a better hockey club. The momentum continued when they were on the line, uh, on the ice, and a great example, and we, we've talked about it earlier, is the fact that the Oilers had the puck in the offensive zone. And they had all four lines at some point on the ice. So that shows you that the momentum is staying and they're pushing it forward from lines one through four.
3: That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. As the Oilers get four goals in the first period, they score two shorthanded goals in a regular season game for the first time since February of 2010, 5-2 win over Chicago. We have Phil on the Certainty hotline. Hey, Phil, go ahead. Oh, hey, guys.
10: Hey, um... guys. Absolutely love your show. Um, I was going to talk about the third line, but um, uh, the, the last caller actually really covered it. Actually, really, really well. So I, um, I'm going to go back on the fact that um, I, I've been a ref in in rugby, hockey, soccer, and uh, football. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so flat out, I I, I hate hating or, or you know negative talking about other callers. But I I disagree with the, the last on you. The, the calls on the ice and the calls when it's happening are so much harder to do and, and, and trying to actually get a call that, that, that especially how fast hockey is and how fast a lot of games are, you're, you're, you're going to get really, really messed up by the speed. But you always, always make the call. It doesn't matter if somebody's looking. It doesn't matter if a player is staring you right in the eyes. You make the call based on the rules. Every ref does it. No one, no one gets, well, as far as I've ever, and I ref rugby, and I was the smallest guy in the field. No <laughs> one gets off the call based on a guy looking at you. You, A ref, I got to say flat out, a ref has his own pride. He's going to make the call based on the call. Yeah. He's going to, now, if you don't see it, fine. There, there's nothing to do about not seeing it. And I, I've been a dude who's held game, calls on their shoulders because they didn't see it but you're still going to make the call so the whole eyes on you and someone's looking at you and someone's giving the ref the, the stink eye afterwards that's not going to affect in my humble opinion that's not going to affect anything at all yeah Yeah. what do you guys think about that
4: well you know a really good point and as, as a player first of all it's, it's easy to be a ref in the stands and in the press box and sitting in your in your living room because you get a bunch of different angles and it's quite easy to see especially when they show replays it's much harder when you're on the ice and as you said uh, there's big men on the ice and your view could be obscured they're going fast you're trying to watch the entire ice surface as you're doing it the one thing that players do not like they do not like when refs make calls that didn't happen if you miss if a ref misses a call it's completely understandable i mean they just didn't have the right angle they turned away, someone was in their way, uh, they couldn't see it the same way from the opposite side of where the, the penalty was done. They, players understand that, that what players cannot stand is when the ref makes a call that didn't happen. And sometimes that happens, and the ref says, okay, that's a high stick, and you're like, no, it wasn't. Yep, I saw it. And it, that's what really drives cra- uh, players crazy. If you don't see it, don't call it. If you, if you can't see it, well, that's not your fault.
3: Yeah, but th- I think he made a great point. If uh, the the speed of the game, the angle that refs have on the ice is not the same thing we have. No, nope. that's TV why it's way easier or, to see or, from up or, here or on the rink. Uh, I mean, look, I I actually think the the first three games of the Oilers road trip I thought were oddly refereed. I mean, I don't have trouble pointing that out. I'm not saying that it's an easy job. Uh, I think for the most part the refing's been fine, and if if a ref does make a mistake. I think we've got to remember, they probably feel awful about it. Or, or, they, or they look at tape and self-evaluate. Some of them do. Some maybe them maybe do. some don't. But, I'm sure, I mean, they self-evaluate and yep. get and talk well, the, to their superiors, too. so, well, so, they, so they, know.
4: they self-evaluate, and they also get evaluated by the National Hockey League. Right. Uh, bad referees don't stay around long. Good referees keep their job. Good referees get to ref in the playoffs and the more important games. So these, and I, I've said it every time we've talked about refs. These are the best refs in the in the world. There's, it's not even close. Where else, wherever you look, you will not find better refs in the National Hockey League. They have good games. They have bad games. Just like coaches coach good and bad, and players have good and bad hockey games. So do refs.
3: McDavid, Barry, Yamamoto, McLeod. Dry the goal scores for the Oilers. DeBrinkett had both for the Blackhawks. Edmonton takes it 5 2 tonight at Rogers Place. We have Maddie on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Maddie, go ahead.
0: Hey, guys. Hope you're doing good. Uh, I called about three, four weeks ago and uh, talked to primarily Rob there and said that I thought that, uh, you know, I thought Skinner could be the next uh, Jordan Bennington. Situation and uh, Rob Rob seemed to think that uh, you know Kocur was an NHL caliber goalie and uh, you know Skinner wasn't there yet. And I know it's only been two games, but I just wanted to kind of see, um, especially with Rob, where where your thoughts were with uh, with Skinner and and uh, with where my thought process was.
4: Well, Skinner's been very good. He, he's been fantastic in these games. Uh, if mike smith comes back he's going to be your starter and if he's your starter you still got Coskin in a 4.5 million dollar contract now if if smith comes back and doesn't play to where they had hoped he would or where they expect him to well then you could have a different situation but uh, skinner's trying to get more games and trying to show what he's capable of doing but if mike smith comes back and plays to his abilities mike smith's going to be your starter because they're not i and this is my opinion, they're not going to carry three goaltenders and they're not going to sit out, uh, I don't know what they would do with Koskinen in his $4.5 million contract. Mike Smith is their starter and that's who they want to run with when he's healthy. If something goes sideways, well, then all of a sudden Stuart Skinner's name uh, gets thrown into the equation as to whether or not he could start. But if Mike Smith's not healthy, then that's where I think the others may look for another goaltender at the trade deadline.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the Basically, they didn't think Smith was going to be out this long. No, he was supposed it, it, to be day to day. It was day to day. Then it's week to week, and now it's week to week at best, is how Tippett put it yesterday. So yeah. Skinner has probably already had. This was what his fourth, fifth, uh, the fourth, fourth, start, start fifth yep. appearance. That's probably already
4: three or four more starts <laughs> than they, than they thought he would have had coming up. So what the callers wanted to know is if we think that Skinner could become the Jordan Bennington of the Edmonton Oilers and lead them the rest of the way into the well, playoffs. Well, that'd be a great story. It'd it be is. a great I st- mean, if... But we're still... If Mike Smith... This is his crease. If he gets healthy and comes back and plays, this is his crease. And then you have a $4.5 million backup in Goskinen and Skinner probably goes to the farm.
3: And plays almost every game.
4: And that's what they want. They're not going to want him to sit up here.
3: Yeah. Oilers win at five two seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tom standing by. Hey Tom, go ahead.
7: How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Awesome. Uh, you guys put on a really great show. It makes the drive back to Red Deer more enjoyable these late nights. So that's awesome. A um, couple things I wanted to touch on. I know it's only been, been a couple games for Sue Skinner, but it is a breath of fresh air not seeing that first hard shot go in. You know, Chicago's first shot was a really good chance, and he saved it and stayed composed, so that was really great to see.
4: That's a great point um, because that was uh, a huge, yeah. a huge save at that point on Patrick Kane.
7: And then the team just plays more confident in front of him. Uh, the second point is, is Duncan Keith. I don't know about you guys, but I think he just eats up the minutes, and he's been a breath of fresh air as well. What do you think?
3: Uh, personally, I think he's been very up and down, but he had a good game tonight.
7: Uh, I agree. It, Thanks, I agree uh, with uh, Reed on um, that. I, I really enjoy the show, and, and like I said, keep it up. Yeah, thanks for calling.
3: Drive safe. Sorry we stole Mooner from you, Red Deer folks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it had to happen. I, I am sure the Red Deer folks are very happy for for yeah. Cam Moon and his progression and his occupation.
3: We love Mooner. All right, got to take a quick timeout. Uh, we got Andy, Cam, and Greg next up in the batting order on the phone lines. You're going to hear from McDavid and Yammo as well. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
2: Up the right wing, puck goes to puglia His pass off the stick of McDavid back into the Chicago end. Seth Jones behind the net, lost it to Hyman. Now to McDavid, pass out to the middle, just missed puglia Now from the point, loose puck, scores! Connor McDavid found the loose puck at the side of the net. He puts it home, and the Oilers are up one nothing.
3: Connor McDavid gets his 12th as the Oilers beat Chicago 5-2. Here's McDavid and Yamamoto
5: off that uh that game against winnipeg that tight checking game i know you guys were happy with the way you played what did you think of your follow-up performance you th-
11: um yeah i mean obviously i like the win i thought we were a little loose especially early I liked our second period um you know i thought we gave them chances that uh, we probably shouldn't have gave them but
5: overall i like our uh, i like our game our, i like that we won uh, I mean, you came through with a shorthanded goal tonight. Maybe just your thoughts on on the time you're spending on the penalty kill and and how nice it is to produce from the penalty kill, which is kind of rare. Oh, it's nice. Uh, it's mean, my first year, kind of where I've gotten a
11: chunk of the penalty kill, so it's uh, it's been nice, and you know, getting more comfortable with it, and um, you know, I was lucky to
6: be able to capitalize tonight. So uh, Caleb, when you score the, all kyler when you score that goal are you yelling at seth jones i'm I'm here or uh, did you read that play uh no no was actually a really good play
11: by sieves um i think he kicked it right to the middle um you know put me in a really good scoring chance so i'll
7: give a lot of credit to him Uh, kyler you i know you've been working a lot on your shot and when a goal like that goes in uh, quite a good shot what does that do for you Oh, it's big. Um, yeah, I've been talking about it. Um, you know, you guys haven't really seen it, but um, you know, luckily to get that one tonight, and uh, just gonna keep shooting, I guess. Uh, Connor, what did you think of the defense in, in their its first game uh, without Darnell Nurse? Yeah, I thought
11: they were good. Um, you know, I liked how uh, you know Dunk played a lot. He stepped up against his former team. I thought he played great. Um, I thought Broby stepped in there and did a great job. Um, you know, can't uh, can't complain about that.
7: Yeah, and just a little, little more on Philip Broberg in his first game. He got four, four, almost fourteen and a half minutes played more as the game went on. What did you think of his performance tonight?
11: Yeah, I thought he got better and better as the night went on. Um, obviously, he's a big man and he skates well,
7: and um, you know, I thought uh, you know he looked comfortable right away. And, and Kyler, just a thought on your goaltender Stuart Skinner, who, who's who's uh, a couple of uh, consecutive starts here and has played well in both of them. Yeah, he's been playing phenomenal. Um, he's been a brick wall back
11: there for us. Uh, uh, we need to keep—we need him to have to keep having good games. And um, yeah.
6: Connor, what was it like where you you went through four lines with that one shift? I thought that- you ever seen that before, even in junior hockey, where you went you went through all four lines on that one shift in the second period?
11: Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't see it a ton. Obviously, I thought uh, it was a great job by, by everybody. Um, you know, those usually end up in a goal or a penalty. So, um, you know, we definitely had our luck throughout that, that time in the Ozone. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely pretty impressive to, to roll through all four like that. Kyler,
8: uh, just in the back here, Kyler. Kyler. Um, it took you a while to get your first goal of the season. Now you've obviously are up for it this year. You had a big goal in St. Louis on the last road trip. Do you feel like you've changed anything in your game, or are you continuously doing the same things and they're finally coming to you?
11: Uh, I think I'm just doing the same things. Um, I'm just trying to trust the process and um, you know keep working every day. Uh, they were going in at the beginning. Um, now they are. So just trying to keep doing the same things and hopefully they'll keep going in.
3: McDavid and Yamamoto both score. Oilers win 5-2 over Chicago. I don't think the mics picked it up, but I'm just seeing on social media, apparently, while that was going on and the MVP chants were raining in from 104th Avenue, Yamamoto leaned over to McDavid and said, those are for me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. He's absolutely right. It is kind of neat. I mean, we don't get to see that or witness that because we're up here during the interviews, but I walked down the street the other day on the way to the game and just looked in the window and s- tried to, t- to imagine what they, the fans see looking in at the end of the night when they're doing these interviews and also thinking of what the players are looking out into the street and seeing and hearing the fans do. Pretty cool atmosphere. It's, it's neat that they built it that way. They put the interviews there and uh, the Oilers, if they continue to have success and moves on through the regular season into the playoffs, I think there would be a lot of fun nights out there during the post-game interviews.
3: I'll tell you what else is fun. You can go to 630Ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. That is the Japanese village goal light. We turn it on any time the orders score five or more in a game. All right, back to the Certainty hotline. We have Andy. Hello, Andy. Go ahead. Yeah, hey,
9: guys. Uh, I thought the big question coming into the game tonight was the defense uh, I know my brother was predicting doom and gloom. Kevin D X, uh, mentioned that he didn't like the Oilers defense, uh, without Darnell nurse, uh, being in the lineup. Um, after tonight, I think Duncan Keith is now running our defense, and I thought he was excellent distributing the puck. And uh, if he didn't play well tonight, I thought our defense would falter. Overall, our thought thought the defense was maybe one of the best games. We hardly gave up any goals tonight, so maybe you guys want to talk about that a little bit.
4: Thanks. Well, I mean, the Oilers started slow, and there was a lot of uh, mistakes made early in the hockey game. And Stuart Skinner, uh, you know, saved saved the Oilers uh, a number of times. I mean, the Oilers gave up a two-on-one uh, minute into the, pe- into the first period. They gave up a goal-scoring chance to Patrick Kane uh, 30 seconds into the game, and Stewart Skinner was, was strong on those plays, but then they settled down. The Chicago Black—the uh, Oilers without Darnell Nurse, it is a big loss. He is by far their best defenseman, and there's no one even close. There's not a close second, uh, and it is a big drop-off. They weren't tested a lot tonight because Chicago's not a strong hockey club. They've got off to a terrible start. They had a little bit of a, a resurgence over the last few games, but a couple of those were on the backs of their goaltender, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. This isn't a test. There will be tests coming up for the Edmonton O's without Nurse in the lineup. Uh, Duncan Keith did have a good game tonight, but he's had an up-and-down game, or up-and-down season. He, I think he may be a leader in the in the dressing room, but the leader on the ice will always be Darnell Nurse on this team. Uh, The Oilers can survive for a while without him. Good hockey clubs survive without players. Injuries happen all the time. But if this was to be a playoff situation where Darnell Nurse was out of the, the lineup, the Oilers would be in trouble. Let's check the other Town scoreboard here. Busy night in the NHL. The Calgary Flames
3: continue to do well. They and the Oilers right up there at the top of the Pacific Division. Flames over the Islanders 5-2. The scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers. Head to edmontontrailer.com. Canadians, an unusual win over the Predators. And I'm not saying that just because the Canadians don't win a lot. Uh, How they won. They're up 5-0. Matt Duchesne gets a natural hat trick of power play goals in the third and to make it interesting, but the Canadians win 6-3. Penguins shut out the Maple Leafs 2-0. Hurricanes beat the Kings 5-4. Devils down the Lightning 5-3. Panthers knock off the Wild 5-4. It is... Boston getting a 5-2 win over Philly. The Coyotes, who the Oilers are going to see in a few days, 2-1 overtime victory against the Red Wings. Dallas, next opponent for the Oilers, 4-1 decision against the Blues. Golden Knights get by the Blue Jackets, 3-2. Capitals shut out the Sharks, 4-0. The Capitals, uh, only two regulation losses. They're 11-2-5 on the season. Ovechkin got his 13th and 14th goals of the year. Okay, back to the Certainty hotline. We have Cam standing by. Hey, Cam.
0: Hey, guys, quick question for you. We got Dallas on Tuesday and Phoenix on Thursday. Would you play
4: Skinner against Dallas? i play Koskinen
3: because he's had awesome games against Dallas in the past, and then I would do Skinner the next night.
4: Rob? Nope, sounds good to me. I trust you on that
3: one. What would you do? Yeah. Well, I'd play Skinner
4: against Dallas. Okay. You want to put a because, uh, want uh, to put Dallas a beer on it? Dallas is a better team da- than Phoenix, correct? Yeah, Dallas well, is a better
3: team than Phoenix. Well, almost everybody's better than Arizona. Well, actually, everyone is. <laughs> That's why
0: we'll play Skinner. I mean, he's done two good games. Why not put him in for the third one?
3: I I just my gut tells me they're going to start Costen because of how he's played in Dallas in the past, and I think they'll split him that way. But if I'm wrong, you can call in after.
0: All right, man. Have a good night, you
9: guys.
3: Take care. Okay. I don't know. I've never coached in the NHL. Well,
4: you and I, every time we predict who's going to play next, we get it wrong anyway. So I'm too busy working on opening my casino in the basement of my house. I bet you're going to do well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Going to be the first casino that has a uh, dog as a dealer.
4: Well, that'd be pretty cool. Well, no. the dogs do play poker. They though. do. Yeah, yeah they, but they're not dealing. No, they're smoking cigars and drinking. <laughs>
3: gonna a uh, good painting, too. Uh, <laughs> Oilers win 5-2. Greg is on the line. Hey, Greg, go ahead. Hey, guys. How's it going? Quite well. Yeah, just coming back from the game
9: tonight. So, yeah, I found it very uh, kind of unusual there run all four lines in
4: the offensive zone. I was wondering if Rob ever seen that before in an NHL game. <laughs> um, if so, probably against me, not not so much <laughs> going the other way. I, no, honestly, I didn't. And it, I was up here, and I, I just... When they got the third line out there, I'm like, oh, come on. Don't score. Don't get puck come out. I wanted to see the fourth line. Then I'm like, okay, I want this to keep on going, see how many lines they can get on the ice. And, and the thing that was so funny about it is the, the poor... Chicago Blackhawk five players that are on the ice they're dead tired I I, I'd love to know how long the shift was but they're dead tired And the fourth line that they face is Connor McDavid so Connor McDavid when he goes head-to-head against anyone and you're both 100% Connor McDavid's got a huge advantage now you're going against Connor and you've been on the ice for two and a half three minutes and here comes a fresh Connor McDavid onto the ice And he took advantage of them. Uh, Bouchard had a complete wide-open net that he hit the crossbar and it missed. But that was was a great example of good team play, too, because the players in the offensive zone, that's what you're supposed to do. If you have the opportunity to change, change in the offensive zone. And they kept getting fresh legs out there. Uh, It was a great shift. And uh, uh, it was a tired bunch of Chicago Blackhawks who their defensemen still couldn't change is when the puck finally got out, two forwards got off, but the defenseman had to stay, end up in their own zone for a little bit longer. But, no, I've never seen that before, and it was, I was actually kind of excited up here in the press box watching it.
3: Okay, Broberg made his debut tonight, got an assist. Keith played a little over 25 minutes. You'll hear from those two guys when we get back. Oilers take it 5-2. They're 13-4. and This is Hartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
2: For Kubalik, now cross ice to Seth Jones, comes in on the right wing, shoots it, saved by Skinner, he'll hold on.
3: Skinner, 28 saves, good performance, Oilers beat Chicago 5-2, Philip Broberg got an assist, first point in his first game, here are Broberg and Duncan Keith.
7: Well, Duncan, a lot of made about uh, facing your former team, and how did you, you feel like you were able to, to do it you know, against them tonight? sorry I, I just I just asked you know what, what, a lot was made coming into this game about you getting a chance to play your former team how did you you feel like you uh, were able to do against them tonight
12: well I think it was uh, you know a huge win for our team, a team good team effort mm-hmm. Uh uh, yeah, but uh, obviously uh, a, little, a little weird playing uh, the old team, uh, throwing that jersey on for a long time and, uh, you know, a lot of fond memories with that team and organization, especially uh, with Kane and Taze, but, you know, I think it was good to, to get that one out of the way a little bit in, in some ways and, uh, you know, just uh, another, another page, page forward here. Was there was there a point in the game, early in the game, where it did
7: feel pretty weird? The you had to kind of pinch yourself to know what you're doing out there a little bit.
12: Oh, well, I've been here a few games now and settled in, so uh, it's uh, feeling good uh, to be a part of this team and organization. And uh, and uh, you know that's where it is. So um, you know it was good, uh, good team win, and uh, good to keep it going. We got good fans, passionate fans that you can see, and uh, it's fun to be a part of. Uh, F- Philip how did
5: you uh, how did you feel coming into the game were you were you nervous and how do you think it went for you uh, yeah, of course you're nervous for the first game uh, first couple of
8: shifts but uh, I felt good after first shifts and uh, just got into the game pretty good so uh, I felt I felt good
5: what sorts of things did the coaches ask you to do and what were you focused on were you maybe trying to keep just keep it simple in the first game Uh,
8: Yeah, I I want to play my game. Uh, That's, I guess, why they want to play me, Uh, to play my game and help the team. And uh, uh, yeah, I just play simple and uh, keep it simple. And uh,
5: yeah. And sorry if it's awkward because he's sitting next to you, but just what did you think of, of, you know, a young guy playing in his first game, what you saw, Duncan?
12: Uh, It was impressive. I mean, uh, obviously he's got a lot of poise and he's a big, strong guy. You saw that he was able to break up some plays at the blue line, made some really nice plays out of the zone. So uh, for a first game, I I thought it was, uh, you know, it was great and you're just going to keep building and and get better and better. And you can tell he's going to be a great player in this league. Duncan, do you remember your first game? Yeah, I do. Uh, how, how did that go? Sorry? How did it go? Uh, uh, we were playing the Anaheim Ducks, um, and uh, I don't even know if we won or lost, but I uh, just remember being there at the Anthem in uh, Chicago and standing on the blue line with the crowd cheering. Uh, it was a pretty uh, special moment to play my first game in the league, and um, that's something I always remember. So, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, Broby's going to remember his tonight. You can
6: kind of feel how Philip felt then. You played; it was a long time ago. You played your first one,
12: but you can kind of feel for him yeah. through this. Yeah, for sure. I think he was probably a lot more solid than me. It looked like uh, you know, for he looked poised back there, and uh, and uh, you know, he's a big, strong guy. So like I said, he's gonna he just keep building and, and have a you know a long a long career hopefully, and, and just you know, I think he's got a lot of ingredients to be a great uh, great defenseman, and he already is. Thank you.
5: Philip, I wonder what you think about
12: all of this? It's awesome. Uh,
8: the fans here are r- real loud and uh, for sure a six player on the ice uh, that helps the team. So it's great support to have
7: uh, behind you in the back. Philip, aside from the win tonight, what will you always remember about this game? You know, if you think about it five, ten years down the road. What will you always kind of remember about about this today and this game?
8: Uh, Probably the first lap uh, on the warm-up you get out there and and the first shifts probably you you remember going to remember for a long time so yeah it was a great win for us and even better that we
7: got the win on the first game as well. What what stood out about the doing the lap and about the first shift was there something specific that that kind of happened for you?
8: not really. just yes, that the first shift in uh, in the NHL is always special, so
7: I, w- I was excited. Can you describe your your first point too? Uh, you know, was it a, a you know a great play by you, or how would you kind of describe it? Uh,
8: yeah, I just tried to rim it down and uh, tied up on the blue line, and uh, they made two great plays, and uh, I don't know, being a goal. So very really fortunate. Philip, uh, just in the back here, uh, can you take us through the last 24 hours of uh, where you were when you got the call that you were heading to Edmonton and what the moments look like heading into tonight's game for you? Uh, yeah, I was in Baco, uh Just getting ready to go to bed and I got the call and uh, the next morning I was on the fly here and uh, excited to uh, maybe get the opportunity to play and now uh, play the game uh, Yeah, he's really lucky and uh, happy. Who was the first person you called? Uh, My mom. My mom.
3: Awesome. I'm sure Mama Broberg is proud. Phillip gets an assist, helping the Oilers win 5-2 tonight over Chicago. Two shorthanded goals by the Oilers in this one. Yamamoto got one in the first period, dry in the third. First time since February of 2010 the Oilers get two shorties in a regular season game. They did do it in the playoffs in 2017. Okay, 13 and 4 now for Edmonton, 8 and 1 at home. They're back out on the road. Next game is Tuesday at Dallas. Our coverage on 6.30 Ched will start with the face-off show at 5. The game will start at 6.30. Of course, Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 on Monday, and I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game-day engineer at Rogers Place, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer back at 6.30 Ched. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers beat the Hawks. Five two. Have a great night.
1: Six thirty. Chad. Inside sports with Reed
3: Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty. Chad.